It is Thursday, October 1st here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 4 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff, and with me as always is Jared Smola, who ranked 11th overall in Fantasy Pro's accuracy for Week 3. Just a week after checking in at 10th, Jared, are you rubbing the baby tushy for good luck? <laughs> That's that, it's that baby swag. I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm more focused. There's less time to mess around. I'm you know, focusing on what's important, I guess. But, you know, it's 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 probably some good fortune, too. I'll, I'll cool off here eventually. Just wait until she starts talking, and then you won't be able to think clearly enough to actually rank any of them. Yeah, that's that, that's next season, so. <laughs> It'll be a challenge just to get the things in on time. <laughs> but we'll jump into this week's slate, which will not include the Steelers and Titans. That game has officially been postponed. Not sure when it's going to get made up yet because they have different bye weeks. So instead, we will start with the Broncos at the Jets because we have to. <laughs> Uh, the Thursday night game, it opened at Broncos as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Now it's the Jets by two, over under 41. I mean, really, we should all just be able to avoid this game, right? Yes, um, you know, avoid watching it if you can. I think on the Broncos side, I mean, Melvin Gordon, it sounds like Philip Lindsay is not going to play now. Even if, he, even if he does, I think he's going to be limited. So, you know, Gordon – just just based on volume, you know, he's like an RB two. I think I think last week reminded us though that the Jets run defense remains strong. You know, Jonathan Taylor didn't do much besides him. He kind of saved himself with that touchdown. But you know, Gordon's gonna get, you know, fifteen to twenty opportunities. So he's a starter. Noah Fant, I think, is a starter. Um, you know, the Jets have struggled against tight ends, gave up two touchdowns to Jordan Reed, a touchdown to Mo Alley Cox last week. Other than that, I would try to avoid the Broncos. You know, even Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, um, I would try to stay away from just in Brett Rippon's first start. Right. The Broncos are starting Britt Rippon for the first time. Apparently his nine pass attempts last week showed them all they needed. He completed eight of them. You know, they moved down the field in garbage time. And then he finished that drive with a bad read and end zone interception. So I, I, I don't know. To me, I don't, I don't really get starting him in place of Jeff Driscoll. I do think that it makes Jerry Judy a worse bet. He's been a solid volume bet so far. Eight, seven, and nine targets in three games. Four plus catches, 55 plus yards in each game. Um, so bottom of wide receiver three territory, but I would like to not have to use them. Yeah. Judy did see four of uh, Rippon's nine, you know, targets last week. I, I don't read too much into that. It's such a small sample. Um, And of course the matchup's good. So like, it wouldn't be surprising if Judy or even Hamler busted off a big play tonight, but I, I just think the floor is so low considering the state of this Broncos offense. And Melvin Gordon only carried eight times last week. I know that they lost handily to the Buccaneers, but I don't think he should finish any game with that few carries, even when Philip Lindsay's back and certainly not when Philip Lindsay's out and Royce Freeman's only carrying twice. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine Denver would go to Gordon early and often tonight, um, and, and it, it should be a game they can they can at least keep close because um, we know what the Jets are bringing on offense, which is not much. And Melvin Gordon's getting targeted, so you know, you're not starting him happily, but you're probably starting him this week. Right. On the Jets side, Jamison Crowder is expected back. It would be scary to play him coming off a hamstring injury when they say he's not going to be 100%. I mean, I also wouldn't be totally comfortable sitting him. I think the range of outcomes for Jamison Crowder tonight includes leaving the game in the first quarter and catching nine passes. Yeah, I mean, if he makes it through the game healthy and plays something close to a full allotment of snaps, I think he has a nice game. You know, Denver, Denver's basically struggled against every wide receiver position. They've struggled against slot guys. They gave up six catches to Adam Humphreys in the opener, seven catches to Juju Smith-Schuster in week two, uh, 5-64, one line to Chris Godwin last week, and, you know, less less than a full game for Godwin. So it's a good matchup for Crowder. It's just, you know, we, we don't know 
how healthy he is, how many snaps he's going to play tonight. Right. And uh, beyond that, I'm not interested even a little bit in anything on the Jets side. Nope. I mean, you know, Crowder being back, I think, takes Braxton Berrios out of consideration. Chris Herndon, and we know, is just not getting the, you know, pass routes he should be getting. The targets have been just okay. And then the backfield is just a complete mess with, you know, Frank Gore still leading it, but Michael Pirine's involved, Kalen Bellage is involved, and it's just, you know, not, not an efficient backfield to begin with. And Mekhi Becton's probably not playing again, so that only makes more room for Chris Herndon to stay in and block. I think both defenses are far yeah. more interesting in this game than they really deserve to be on their own just because the two offenses are so crappy. Yeah, neither defense is good, but it's the matchup. You know, I think they're both sitting inside the top 10 in our week four ranking. So, um, yeah, I think they're probably the two, the two best plays in this game tonight. Yeah. On to the next game with some actual fantasy impact. Indianapolis at Chicago on Sunday. Colts by two and a half. It's a 43 and a half over under. And I say some fantasy impact, but this doesn't look like a fantasy friendly game either. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of want nothing to do with the Colts passing game. Uh, the Bears have remained tough against the pass. They're fourth in football outsiders past the, you know, Philip Rivers just th- doesn't have much upside. You know, he's not going to run. The volume's not going to be there. So he's not really an option. T.Y. Hilton, I mean, he he has a volume problem here. Again, the Colts are run heavy. They're 24th in pass attempts right now. And Hilton's only seeing 18% of the targets. Um, you know, maybe that starts to go up now with all the injuries to the Colts wide receivers, but I mean, until it does, especially in this matchup, I do not think T.Y. Hilton is a must-start. I think he's a guy you, you can bench if you have better options this week. Yeah, he's technically leading the team in targets, but like you mentioned, less than 20% target share. The Colts are 52-48 pass run, and Hilton is not on the field when they're running the ball. So right. definitely somebody I would like to not have to start right now. I would try not to play any of the Colts receivers. Mo Ali cox followed his 100-yard game with a touchdown last week, but he also saw just three targets. He did play three more snaps than Jack Doyle, but Doyle actually ran eight more pass routes. So I don't know exactly what their roles are going forward, and I think that there are just plenty of better options among tight ends. Yeah, Mo Ali Cox ran just eight pass routes last week. I mean, you really don't want to be betting on that. Now, it, that should climb because, you know, he turns in another big game or another nice game on just eight pass routes. I wouldn't be surprised if that climbs, but I sort of want to see it before I use him in fantasy lineups. I know Trey Burton is eligible to return this week too. I'm not sure if he's on track to haven't really heard anything about him, but that would just, you know, sort of throw some more competition for targets and snaps in in the way for Ali Cox. Yeah. Watch out for less athletic Mo Ali Cox coming back (laughs) on the bears side. Really nobody for me beyond the usuals. We've got Allen Robinson. We've got David Montgomery, Jimmy Graham's okay. I mean, the matchup picture is still developing everywhere, but the Colts have allowed the league's fewest fantasy points to tight end so far. They've only faced Jacksonville, Minnesota, and the Jets, so they haven't really been tested, but they've also only allowed six total catches among 14 targets to the position. Yeah, Football Outsiders says the Colts is the best defense in the league based on their DVOA. Um, they are first against the pass, 12th against the run. It, not a major surprise. Like it's a neat defense we thought was on the rise coming into the season. So you know, I'm sort of buying it as a matchup we're going to want to mostly stay away from. I think Graham's okay. I mean, he's obviously had the two nice games. He had the one target game in between. So you got to know there's a pretty low floor there. Um, I think the interesting guy on the bear side is David Montgomery now with Tariq Cohen out of the way. I think, you know, we'll we'll see this week if Montgomery really starts to take over that passing down role. If he does, you know, he's going to be one of the, you know, true three down backs in the NFL. Or we'll see if Cordero Patterson gets more involved. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see that. I think Montgomery Taking that work, though, is the more likely scenario here. Chargers at Buccaneers. The Bucs are seven and a half point home favorites over under 43 and a half. First off, I got to take the Chargers in this game with seven and a half points. I I think that the Bucs are good, but I don't know if they're seven and a half point favorites over the Chargers good. 
I'm with you. That line seemed too high to me when I saw. I mean, listen, if it was six and a half, I'd probably say that's right. But we know that seven number is key. So I'm with you there. Um, the Bucks dealing with injuries. Chris Godwin out, obviously. Uh, Scotty Miller did not practice on Wednesday. Leonard Fournette did not practice on Wednesday. Sounds like you didn't practice on Thursday. So, you know, the Bucks offense is not at full strength here. Yeah, there's an intriguing mix of fantasy plays in this game, but it's a matchup and a spot that could stifle a lot of them. Both of these defenses rank in the bottom half of the league in fantasy points allowed to QBs, and the Chargers are in that range despite having already faced Patrick Mahomes, despite allowing a rushing touchdown to Joe Burrow in week one. Both of those things will normally inflate the fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. The Chargers have also allowed the fifth fewest PPR points to running backs so far. They and the Ravens are the only two teams that have yet to allow a running back rushing touchdown. So, I mean, Leonard Fournette's injury helps Ronald Jones, but it's still not a great spot for Ronald Jones. Yeah, I'm with you there. You know, Jones remained the lead back last week, even when Fournette was in there. I think if Fournette misses this game, that'd mean more snaps, more touches for Jones. I think it would put him in like lower end RB2 range, um, you know, d- despite the matchup. Tom Brady sits outside our top 12 quarterbacks this week. Um, you know, no Chris Godwin obviously hurts. If Scotty Miller is out, that's going to hurt too. The Chargers are missing uh, Chris Harris, their slot corner. That would have been nice if, you know, Chris Godwin was available for this game to take advantage of that matchup. But I think it's going to be Justin Watson, though. You know, he was the main slot guy when Godwin missed week two. So you know, you're not starting Watson in season long, but, you know, maybe in a DFS tournament, especially if Scotty Miller's out, then I think, you know, Watson becomes the clear number two receiver there. And again, he's going to get that slot matchup against, uh, you know, the Chargers missing their, their starting slot guy. What do you think you would do if you had to decide between Melvin Gordon and Ronald Jones this week for running back plot? I'd go Gordon, um, especially not knowing for sure whether Fournette is going to play. Like if we knew Fournette was out, it'd be close. But, you know, since we don't know at this point, I, w- I would go Melv tonight. Yeah, I, I'm flipping a coin there. I can't say that I could really come down hard on either side of that. So I, I, I guess I would lean that direction as well without knowing for sure on Leonard Fournette. Um, the Bucks look more favorable as a running back defense, but that's only because Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara have each scored two touchdowns on them. So uh, this is not a spot where I would want to start Joshua Kelly. I think Austin Eckler is, is among the more matchup resistant running backs in the league because of his receiving ability. Yeah. Football outsider still has the bucks fifth in run defense and also 10th in running back coverage. And they were strong in both those uh, metrics last year too. So tough matchup here. I, I agree. Kelly, I think is a guy you want to bench this week. We saw him, in a negative game script last week, which is, you know, what we think we're going to get here based on the spread. And Kelly last week only played 29% of the snaps, only got eight carries and two targets. You know, Eckler, of course, got the 12 carries and 11 targets. I think, you know, if this game goes according to how Vegas thinks it's going to, we're going to see that type of split in the backfield again. Matchups, regardless of matchups, Keenan Allen, I think, is pretty much always in starting lineups. Maybe a little further down this week than usual, but you're certainly starting him. He's getting a bunch of targets with Justin Herbert so far. And same deal with Hunter Henry. Basically, uh, he's had a, a nice start to the season. Looks like a weekly starter. Yeah, I'd try to go out and buy Hunter Henry now if you could, if you're you know in need of a tight end. He's top six among tight ends in pass routes, targets, catches, and receiving yards just hasn't scored yet. And, you know, that that's going to turn. He's been a, a good touchdown scorer throughout his career so far. So especially with Mike Williams likely out of this game with his hamstring injury, it's, it's going to be Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler dominating the targets. On the Bucks side, I would rather not use Tom Brady. I'm not shoving him too far down the list, but I would prefer guys such as Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford against the Chargers defense. Yep. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick we'll talk about um, later here. I think I'd even lean towards using him over Brady this week. 
Mm-hmm. Mike Evans isn't always not a great spot for Scotty Miller. As you mentioned, he's dealing with an injury. Um, you know, we'll see about Justin Watson, but I agree with you. Not a, not, not a, a factor for season long. Yeah. Is it Rob Gronkowski week though? I don't know if I'd say Rob Gronkowski week. Like, you know, that's reserved for the guys I think you're going to explode. But, uh, you know, Gronk did start trending in the right direction last week. Set season highs with seven targets and a 64% route rate for Gronk. You know, had the six catches for 48 yards. And, again, with Godwin out, with Scotty Miller potentially out, you know, that, that could push some more targets to Gronkowski. So, you know, he's he's well outside our top 12. But if you're hurting a tight end, I think he is like a spot start option. The Chargers have actually struggled against tight end so far, too. He should just tell Bruce Arians that he wants to play slot receiver this week so he doesn't have the tight end tag on him. <laughs> yeah. Browns at Cowboys. The Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites and over under 56. Really, I think the, the only reason the line's that close is because the Cowboys' defense is not very good. Um, I think you're playing everyone in contention on both sides here. Yeah, I agree. I, I like I, This should be a good spot for the Browns' passing game. You know, We know volume has been their concern. Baker Mayfield has just 23 pass attempts in each of the last two games. Those were both – Browns wins. He had 39 pass attempts in that big week one loss to the Ravens. I don't think Dallas is going to, you know, blow out Cleveland like Baltimore did, but I, you know, if they, if they get a lead, we're going to see more pass attempts for Baker. It's obviously a nice matchup against this Cowboys pass defense. So, you know, Baker, I think is, you know, to me right in that range with like Tom Brady is not top 12, but um, you know, if you're playing matchups, he's an okay option this week. And then Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, um, both I think starters in season long and guys I'm interested in, in DFS this week too. Does Jarvis Landry finally get targets this week? I mean, I know that the volume overall has been down the past couple weeks, but he's only seen 15.3% of the team's passing attempts so far, six, three, and four targets. The six was in that blowout loss to Baltimore. And then, of course, you know, low volume overall, but still even within that, a small piece of the pie for Jarvis Landry. Makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, a little nervous. I mean, I think that's why he still sits in like wide receiver three range in our rankings where he might be like a wide receiver two if he was getting the volume he did last year. It's still, you know, it's still only three games. Like his playing time has been fine. Um, The Cowboys have struggled against slot receivers too. Um, Six catches, 105 yards for Robert Woods, who plays, you know, about half of his snaps in the slot. Russell Gage went for 46 yards and a score on six catches. Tyler Lockett last week, of course, had the massive game. So again, I think it's a good spot for Landry. If he doesn't do it here, it'll be, you know, time to, you know, probably knock him out of, of starting lineups. And we've got a question from Oglass21 on Periscope, but it's about the tight ends, which we're about to get to. So uh, the matchup is fine for Austin Hooper, but his role for the Browns, I think, makes him an only-if-you-need-him type of player. We've had two Browns tight ends score touchdowns so far this year. Neither of them is named Austin Hooper. (laughs) He's well ahead of Harrison Bryant's and David Njoku's combined total for routes run, but just 10 targets through three games for Austin Hooper. And I think Jarvis Landry gets the bounce back targets before Austin Hooper does. So, I mean, an option if you need him, but I would rather play Dalton Schultz between them this week. Yeah, this one's close for me. And I would lean Schultz too, just because I think he's the better touchdown bet because I think Dallas will win this game and score more points. Um, you know, Austin Hooper, just a 12% target share so far. You know, that's well below kind of what you want if you're going to you know use him in fantasy. The matchup is good. Dallas is 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, they gave up 72 yards and a score to Hayden Hurst in week two. Seahawks tight ends combined for eight catches, 67 yards in a, ch- in a touchdown last week. So, you know, f- fine spot again, I think. Cleveland's going to have to throw more, which helps Hooper. But, um, yeah, I mean, Dalton Schultz just seems like the better touchdown bat, especially, you know, this is an even better matchup for him against the Browns, who are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, They've given up three tight end touchdowns already. 
Yeah, good matchup, excellent offense, and fast pace. So the, the Cowboys should get more plays and more scoring opportunities. So yeah, I'm, sure. I'm leaning Dalton Schultz pretty easily. Um, anybody else that you feel like is worth addressing individually here? We should note that Kareem Hunt's dealing with a groin injury, and he didn't mm-hmm. practice on Wednesday. It sounds like it's minor, and he still has a chance to play. You know, Nick Chubb starting for you anyways. He just gets a boost if Kareem Hunt is out. Um, on the Cowboys side, I think C.D. Lamb, interesting that he, you know, his his snaps took a hit last week and there's like been whispers that he got hurt on one of the early um, punt returns and he was limited after that. He's not on the uh, week four injury report, so I don't think the injury is a concern. Um, he, he was still like fine in the box score last week, still played 60% of the snaps. That was down from like 80 something the first two weeks. So it'll be something to monitor, but I think lamb is, you know, still like a, a weekly wide receiver three with upside in this Cowboys offense. Yeah. And I would feel pretty good about starting any of them that are on my roster and hope that I don't have to choose between two of them because I mean, any given week, one of them could be left out and one of them could have a big game. Definitely. Ravens at Washington. Baltimore is a 13 point favorite over under is just 46 because Washington might not score at all in this game. <laughs> I talked myself into playing Terry McLaurin last week versus a seriously banged up Brown secondary over Tyler Boyd in PPR. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is always going to be in starter consideration. I'm going to avoid the downside risk on him versus Baltimore this week if I can. I think he might be sitting a little bit high in our PPR rankings right now at 22. You just can't you, you can't watch Washington games. Just you know, look at the end and see McLaurin's box score because he, he he's producing. You know, it's not pretty because Haskins is struggling. And ha- Haskins got thrown under the bus by Ron Rivera earlier this week. So I, I wouldn't be surprised even if this week we see Haskins get benched for Kyle Allen, which at this point, you know, can't be bad news for Terry McLaurin. But McLaurin is, you know, PPR wide receiver 14 through three weeks. He's 11th among wide receivers in targets. And Baltimore's past, he hasn't been dominant so far this season. Football Outsiders has them just 22nd in pass defense. They're 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So again, it's not going to be pretty, but I think you, you to me, I'm keeping McLaurin in season long lineups unless I'm stacked. He's probably starting for most people. He's not going to start ahead of Tyler Boyd for me, though. That's fair. Uh, better matchup for Logan Thomas in this game. Only the Saints, Falcons, and Browns have allowed more tight end receptions than Baltimore. And the Ravens have, really have no reason to game plan for stopping Logan Thomas as they might Terry McLaurin. I mean, that's that's the one thing that makes me worry a little bit about McLaurin is if you're game planning for Washington, you're like, all right, what do we need to do here? Really, all we need to do is account for Terry McLaurin because nobody else in that offense is scaring us at all. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I mean, I think it was that way, though, at least like, you know, for the second half of last season and for the first three games of this season, he's still getting it done. Um, yeah, Logan Thomas, like his usage, he continues to be like a top tight end as far as usage, like pass routes and targets. Production has not followed. And at some point we have to like, you know, scale back our expectations. And, you know, we're not we're not scoring points for pass routes and targets. Um, mm-hmm. So. You can stick with him. You know, he's outside our top 12 tight ends. And I think in deeper leagues, he's okay just because he's getting that volume. But I think it, I think it's about time to stop expecting his production to match the usage. Yes, I would not say that I'm excited about Logan Thomas at this point. I'd be playing Dalton Schultz ahead of him for the same reason as uh, Schultz versus Hooper because of the offense that he's playing and because of the scoring opportunities. And, you know, it's not like Logan Thomas is this magical prospect that we're just waiting for to catch on. I mean, he's a converted quarterback who's been in the league for a long time. It's quite possible that he's just a mediocre player from here on. Yeah. And his testing numbers tell us, you know, he should be like an above average athlete for a tight end, but that was also like what, like six, seven years ago, those testing numbers, but based on what I've seen of him and I, I haven't watched like every Logan Thomas snap, but from what I've seen, like he doesn't, he doesn't look like a dominant pass catching tight end out there. Yeah. And we all probably added a few pounds over quarantine this year. too. So. <laughs> sure. Sure. 
<laughs> TDs in two straight games for Antonio Gibson, nine, 13 and nine carries though, two, two and three targets. He's got 16 total receiving yards on six catches through three weeks. Antonio Gibson can keep scoring those freak touchdowns on my bench. Yeah. The, the, the problem is that lack of pass catching, pass catching stuff that you mentioned. Um, he's still getting, you know, he's still getting, He's running fewer routes than J.D. McKissick, which is crazy to me. But, you know, until that changes, especially in a game like this where we expect Washington to be playing from behind, I think we're going to see a lot more J.D. McKissick on the field than we want to. So I would I would try to bench Antonio Gibson. On the Baltimore side, fire them all up. There is room for everyone to potentially bounce back here. Football Outsiders has Washington still second in pass defense DVOA. I continue to not believe it. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, that, that was ugly from Baltimore on Monday night against the Chiefs, but prime bounce back spot here. Um, Washington without Chase Young, who's made an immediate impact, so that only helps the matchup for Baltimore. I think the question marks are in the backfield. J.K. Dobbins leads the Ravens running backs in both snaps and pass routes, but he's third behind both Ingram and Gus Edwards in carries. He does lead in targets, but only five targets. Um, you know, Mark Ingram still leads in carries with 26 through three weeks. I think he's still the best bet here. And Dobbins and Edwards are just sort of hoping they get enough work to be fantasy starters but you know they're the, the floor is pretty low for those guys yeah Dobbins 17 routes ahead of Mark Ingram Ingram 16 carries ahead of Dobbins so those two things kind of cancel each other out it's really yeah. a blind grab bag here and not only is Chase Young out but Washington also lost Matt Ioannidis for the rest of the season from its D-line so you know it should be a matchup to exploit on the ground and I guarantee that one of these Baltimore running backs scores a touchdown maybe yeah. two of them but there's no reason to say exactly who it's going to be. So, I mean, if you have one and he's a better option than some other fringe guys that you have, I will say this. If you have a Ravens running back and you have other fringe running backs, like if you're trying to pick between a Raven and a Patriot or something along those lines, put one of the Ravens guys in your lineup because they all have a shot to score here. Yeah. You know, huge favorites, huge implied total. It's a good, good spot for the running game. Um, the problem with Baltimore's backfield right now is Gus Edwards. Like it's it's a three-headed committee. We thought it was going to be two. If you divvy Edwards' work up between Dobbins and Ingram, they both become you know usable fantasy guys. But until Edwards goes away, or until one of these guys goes away, it's going to be tough to you know bank on anything out of the backfield. I'm also going to be curious to see if when Baltimore is playing from well ahead in the fourth quarter of this game, if J.K. Dobbins again gets kind of pushed out of the work because when they when they won easily at Houston, it was Dobbins barely touching the ball in that quarter. Yeah, protecting their, their best running back. Now we just need them to give their best running back more more touches. Let's hope so. Cardinals at Panthers. Cards by three and a half in that one. Over under a 51. None of Arizona's games has reached 50 points yet, by the way, in total. 49 in last week's loss to Detroit was the high point. So you think of them as a high-powered offense. But I don't know. We'll see if maybe this one gives us a little bit less offense than we anticipate. Panthers and Raiders, by the way, combined for 64 points in the opener. Since then, totals of 48 and 37 in the Panthers' other two games. I think what's sort of gone overlooked in fantasy is Kyler Murray is not throwing the ball that well. You know, just 7.0 yards per attempt, four passing touchdowns through three weeks. It, it's been masked because of his rushing production. You know, he's, he's been an elite producer on the ground, and that, that should continue. So I'm not saying, you know, you need to bench Kyler Murray here, but it's just interesting that, you know, he's not – he hasn't really taken a step forward as a passer. Gadre Hopkins has missed the first two practices of the week with an ankle injury. He played his full allotment of snaps in week three. Haven't heard anything about the ankle. It might just be veteran rest, but you're going to have to check back um, on Friday to, to see his final status. And that, that, that'd be a big deal for Kyler if Hopkins is not available because Hopkins has been so, such a massive you know part of that passing game so far. Yeah, that's interesting because Hopkins has not put in a full practice on a Wednesday since the season started. But the previous two weeks, 
he came back the next day and it was, it was listed as not injury related each time. And he returned to a full practice Thursday. So it seems like something is definitely at least bothering him. He's played through ailments at various points throughout his career. So I would guess that Hopkins will play if he was able to make it through last week's game. But as you said, we're going to have to wait and see at this point. And that certainly matters. Assuming that he's in the game, I think Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Drake, all pretty easy plays. As you mentioned, Kyler Murray not throwing the ball very well, but it hasn't really mattered for his fantasy value to this point. Christian Kirk returned to a limited practice on Wednesday after he missed last week with a groin injury. I'm going to definitely need to see him do something, though, before I'm considering him for a lineup. Yes, definitely. He was not good before going down. Um, I, I think Andy Isabella is the guy people are probably wondering about here. Um, you know, I, I think if Christian Kirk plays, Isabella is not an option. Um, if Kirk doesn't play, Isabella still worries me. His his playing time was not good last week. He still played behind Keyshawn Johnson. Um, so he was still Arizona's fourth wide receiver, played just 40% of the snaps, saw just four targets, caught all four of his targets, scored two touchdowns, but you obviously can't bank on that type of efficiency going forward. So, you know, he's definitely a guy I think should be stashed. Like I think Arizona, I think he should be the Cardinals number two receiver over Christian Kirk and Keyshawn Johnson. You know, we'll, we'll see if that happens at some point, but I, w- I would try not to use him just because that, that usage last week, you know, brings him a pretty low floor. Yeah, I agree with that. Total boom bust for this week. Nice to stash, but it'd be nice to not have to use them. Um, And we'll see on DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals defense, by the way, arrives as seventh overall in Football Outsiders defensive DVOA. And that's up from last week. They were eighth heading into that game against Detroit, despite losing that game. So on the Panthers side, DJ Moore is a starter, obviously. Robbie Anderson's back to starting. He was solid against the Chargers um, you know, even in that game where we didn't like the matchup, caught all five of his targets for 55 yards. So not a huge one, but a usable stat line still and a better matchup for Robbie Anderson this week against the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, he's eighth among all wide receivers in PPR points right now. He's 13th at the position in targets and his dot is 9.5 yards. So, you know, we wondered how he would fit in this offense, but they're they're using him, you know, as a, as a short range guy and he's been successful there. So um, Anderson... One of the bigger surprises for me, and I think should be considered a weekly fantasy starter right now. Yeah, Matt Rule said that he thought Robbie Anderson was more than just a deep guy and that they were going to show people that, and that's what they're showing us so far. So Matt Rule certainly knows him from their days together at Temple. Mike Davis almost definitely starting, if for no other reason than just the reception volume. He's caught eight passes in each of his two games so far. No reason to expect that to dry up. Yeah, and he played 76% of the snaps. I think he handled 13 of 15 running back carries for Carolina in addition to that passing game work. And um, Arizona has been pretty good against the run, but Football Outsiders has them 30th in running back coverage. So it could be another big game for Davis in the passing game. And that's it for me on that, the Panthers side. Yeah, I wish I could like Curtis Samuel more. Like his, it's interesting that he's gotten, he got four carries last week. I think he got four or five carries the week before, but it's just, it, it, you know, the, the, the production isn't coming from it. So I think, you know, he's a guy you, you stash. But, uh, you know, hopefully not having to use him yet. Yeah, he's, he's Rams Danny Amendola right now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah, it is. But that's what he is. Saints at Lions. Saints by one in this one. Over under a 54. I think we're all probably a little bit too down on Drew Brees at the moment. It's definitely not Drew Brees of old. Uh, league low, average depth of target through three weeks. But, I mean, Alvin Kamara is his number one receiver so far, so who can blame him for that? And the Saints have been leaning that way anyway over the past few years. Michael Thomas back to a limited practice, though, Wednesday, so maybe things are picking up this week. To me, Breeze hasn't looked good. Um, but I'm not sure it matters a whole lot, um, at least once he gets Michael Thomas back. Like When he has Thomas, when he has Kamara, when he's in this Sean Pay- Payton offense, I think you know it's, it's at least going to be enough to make him 
a matchup fantasy play. The matchup's good here against Detroit. Um, Detroit's already allowed two of the three quarterbacks they face to finish top eight on the week. This guy, this game has the high over under, as you said. So I think Breeze is like a fine option. I, I wouldn't go benching him for like a waiver wire guy this week. Yeah, he's QB 19 for the season, but QB 9 last week against the Packers. And I mean, you know, I agree that he hasn't looked great, but if you can look not great and complete 81% of your passes and throw for 288 and three touchdowns, granted, Alvin Kamara taking one the distance helps that. But, you know, I think Drew Brees is is fine, uh, is usable. It's certainly a top 12 caliber week uh, in terms of matchup this week. Yep, agreed. We'll watch Michael Thomas. I don't think I could sit him if he's active, no matter what the specifics on his injury are. Yeah, I think you're starting an active Michael Thomas. I think his return for me would probably take Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders out of consideration. Sanders least seems to be trending up. Um, you know, scored that touchdown against the Packers. Um, still saw just 14% of the targets in that game. So I, I kind of just want to see more from him, especially if Thomas is back. Then the other injury here is Jared Cook, who hurt his ankle in that um, game against Green Bay. Didn't practice on Wednesday. So, um, you know, his absence would hurt Breeze a little bit too. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is a no thanks for me. Three and five targets in two games without Michael Thomas. So if Thomas returns, a definite no thanks. Traquan Smith, still in low wide receiver three range for me. He played more snaps and ran one more route than Emmanuel Sanders back in week one when they did have Michael Thomas. Only trailed Michael Thomas in routes among all Saints in that game. The, the short range passing game probably hurts Traquan Smith's upside a little bit. He already lost three yards on his A dot last year versus the year before down one more yard this year, but he, he doesn't need to be a deep guy to give us fantasy numbers here. And especially if Jared cook is out this week, then, you know, there's targets available and what could be a shootout. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the cook absence, I think would obviously would help these wide receivers. If cook does play, it's not a great spot for him. Tracy Walker played tight ends. Well, last year, the safety for the lions, they have Jamie Collins on defense as well. Uh, and, and Tracy Walker's playing time rebounded in week three after it was down in week two. Football Outsiders has the Lions sixth in tight end coverage through three weeks. Yeah, Adam Troutman, by the way, stepped pretty much right in for Cook and as like a full-time player after Cook left last week's game. Um, you know, Troutman had just two catches on two targets, but at least interesting. Like if, if for some reason we think Cook is going to miss multiple games, I think Troutman might, might be a guy worth like adding in FFPC leagues at least. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point this year – Adam Troutman works past Jared Cook, who's yep. never been a huge blocker anyway, and who has not produced as a receiver over the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. On the Lions side, Matthew Stafford's a top 12 guy this week. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones look like starters, and TJ Hawkinson's in an apparently great spot. Yeah, great matchup. The Saints have been crushed by tight ends so far. OJ Howard scored against them in week one. Darren Waller had that massive game, uh, 12 catches. Robert Tanyan went for 50 yards in a score. Last week. And then on top of that, DJ Hawkinson, season high 90% route rate last week. We talked on last week's preview about how he, you know, was not running as many routes as we'd like to see. His target share even wasn't that strong um, considering Galladay was out, but um, tied for the team, team lead with seven targets last week. So his usage is trending up. The matchup's great. I would be excited to use Hawkinson in lineups this week. Yeah, I like Hawkinson this week as well. Adrian Peterson is the clear lead runner right now. 22 carries last week against Arizona. OC Daryl Bevel says they're going to run him until he hits the wall. The Saints, though, remain tough and run D. So, I mean, they're lagging in pass D versus what we expected, but remain a tough run D. I would hope to not use Adrian Peterson this week. Yeah, tough matchup, and you still got to worry about game script with Peterson. You know, he only has four targets. He's not playing in passing situations. So if the Saints do jump out to a lead, that's going to hurt Peterson's value. He only saw seven carries in that blowout loss 
in week two. So, you know, that that's kind of the, the floor for him. Yeah, I don't know if these Saints are capable of blowing out the Lions anywhere right now, though. Maybe not. DeAndre Swift, you're obviously not using this week unless you have to. I would prefer to keep him stashed on my roster if possible, just because I think I, I don't think that right now it's a matter of the Lions drafting DeAndre Swift in round two and then getting him there and finding out, oh, crap, he's not nearly as good as we thought. I think it's probably a matter of them saying, Adrian Peterson gives us more as a runner right now. Carrion Johnson gives us more in pass protection right now, which Carrion Johnson got celebrated for after the win over Arizona last week. So there's just no need for them to push Swift beyond what they think he's ready for at the moment. I I wouldn't cling to him to the detriment of my fantasy roster, but I'm not dropping him for like Brian Hill or Rex Burkhead right now. Yeah, I agree. I would definitely try to stash him. I, I don't know what happened last week. Like he had been trending up. You know, we, we talked about that. Swift had been Detroit's clear lead pass catching back. And then last week he plays just six snaps. I know, you know, game flow worked against him. Detroit played most of that game with the lead, but still six snaps was surprising. So I, I think you, you can't use him this week, um, but I agree. I would try to stash him if possible. And there's certainly, I mean, there are just some games that get away from coaches where they don't mean for DeAndre Swift to play only six snaps. It's just carry on Johnson was really good in pass protection last series put him back in there because we really need to make sure that Matthew Stafford stays up. And then they look back afterward, you know, it very well could be that they review the game and they're like, we need to get DeAndre Swift some more touches and he's more involved this week. So we'll see again. I'm not clinging to him. Like if I need Carlos Hyde this week to be a starting option, I'm not keeping DeAndre Swift. If that means I can't have Carlos Hyde, but I'm not just dropping DeAndre Swift for whatever might be something. Yep. I agree. Jaguars at Bengals. Cincinnati's a three-point favorite, which is just disrespectful. Over under 49 points. It's up four and a half from where it opened. So the betters seem to like the scoring upside of this game, Jared. Yeah, I mean, it's two pretty weak defenses. I know it's a slow-paced game. Both these teams, you know, are in the bottom 10 in situation-neutral pace. So I, I, I kind of like the under, but I do think it's a decent fantasy game. Um, DJ Chark, hopefully, back for Jacksonville. I, I think, you know, that, that, that had to be a factor for Minshew's dud on Thursday night against Miami. Um, so I think, you know, Minshew is not a guy you should have to go to in one quarterback leagues this week, but I, I think he'll bounce back and he's fine if you have to use him in two quarterback or super super flex setups. You don't think he was just blinded by the shine of Ryan Fitzpatrick in that game? <laughs> and he, got, he got out uh, facial haired there. <laughs> I do think both QBs are in play here. I agree that I would like to not have to go down to Gardner Minshew. The Jaguars have been stouter than expected versus the run through three weeks. Good linebackers. Safety Josh Jones playing well in that area. Uh, I'm a bit more wary, as you said, of Minshew after that Thursday night dud, but DJ Chark trending toward playing. I certainly agree that that helps. Bengals have really not given up a whole lot to quarterbacks so far, but they've also faced Tyrod Taylor. They've faced 23 pass attempts of uh, Baker Mayfield, and they've faced the empty husk of where Carson Wentz used to stand. So I like Joe Burrow better in this spot. As we mentioned, the Jaguars are tougher on the run, not so tough on the pass. But I do think that Minshew is in play, like in the range of where him versus Baker Mayfield would be a close consideration for me. Yeah, I'd probably lean Baker there. Um, I, I pretty easily like Burrow among these two quarterbacks. I think, you know, t- to me, Burrow and Fitzpatrick are pretty easily the top two streaming options this week. I think I'd probably even lean towards Burrow. Um, you know, he has finished top 13 among quarterbacks and fantasy points each of the last two weeks now. Um, the, the volume has been there. He's second in the NFL in pass attempts. The Bengals are second in situation neutral pass rate. So it's a pass heavy offense. Um, Jacksonville is dead last in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. 
They're dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, Ryan Tannehill finished quarterback eight against them two weeks ago. Ryan Fitzpatrick finished quarterback 10 against them last week. So I I think Burrow has has a pretty good chance to finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback this week. I agree. AJ Green admitted last week before playing Philly that he's still knocking off rust after missing missing a year and a half with lower body injuries. Also still getting used to the offense. I mean, Zach Taylor was just new last year and AJ Green didn't get any games in the offense. So this is still his first season in the new system. So a quiet but not terrible day at Philly last week. He got Darius Slay shadow coverage, caught five of six targets. It was just all short stuff. So it didn't really make a fantasy impact, but he also didn't kill you if he started him. Yeah, not a surprise that he struggled last week in that matchup. My my concern for Green is T. Higgins' emergence, and you know if if that's gonna eat into Green's target share because that's why we were excited about Green because he was getting the targets and he was getting the air yards. But T. Higgins looks like he's ready to like be a weekly contributor, and that I think that's gonna hurt AJ Green. Yeah, I mean, we'll see about that going forward. It's been two games for T. Higgins so far, but certainly there's potential for that. And there's potential for A.J. Green just not getting back close to what he once was. The matchup is fine for both of them this week. Jaguars rookie corner C.J. Henderson had a big week one against the Colts, got him some praise there. But since then, he's allowed seven catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets into his coverage, according to Pro Football Focus. He allowed catches on all five targets into his coverage against Miami last week, allowed a touchdown to Corey Davis the week before. So I I would bet that A.J. Green will see the most C.J. Henderson this week. The takeaway here is that it's not a scary or even worrisome matchup for either Green or T. Higgins on the outside against Jacksonville. Yep, I'd be fine using A.J. Green as like a wide receiver three this week again. I I like Burrow, so, you know, that that production has to go somewhere. I prefer Tyler Boyd among these wide receivers. He's sort of trending up. He's seen five targets in week one, eight in week two, 13 this past week, Jacksonville hasn't been great against slot receivers. Paris Campbell caught six balls for 71 yards against him. Adam Humphreys scored against Jacksonville. So good individual matchup for Tyler Boyd. And then, yeah, T. Higgins, I wouldn't want to start him yet. But I think he should be owned in most leagues at this point. I'd say, like, you know, leagues of 12-plus teams, Higgins should be on a roster. He led the Bengals wide receivers in snaps and pass routes run in air yards last week. Uh, was second on the team behind only Boyd in targets. Um, he's also already tied for the team lead in targets inside the red zone and inside the 10 yard line. I mean, he, he was a touchdown scorer at Clemson. So I, I think he'll continue to be a bit, pretty big part of that red zone offense. Yeah. Short stuff last week, including the two touchdowns, but he narrowly missed a, a longer catch very late in that game. It got knocked out by the corner. So Tyler Boyd, I agree. He basically reminded us last week that you need to start him all the time. And T Higgins should be owned, especially because of the injury history on AJ Green. Yeah, for sure. The neutral matchup for Drew Sample, I think he's just an option in tight end two territory, not somebody that I would go after. Yeah, his route rate dropped to 63% last week. Um, obviously, only had the one target. So, um, yeah, he, he's a guy I would not want to be using this week. Joe Mixon versus James Robinson. Who scores more fantasy points here? I got to go Joe Mixon. <laughs> I, ju- I just have to. I still think he's the better player. Um, you know, his team is the home favorite here. I know Mixon's like the most hated guy in fantasy now. I don't think it's as bad as like it's looked in the box score. I mean, he's sixth in the NFL in carry, so the rushing volume has been there. He's just 25th among running backs in targets, but he's ninth in pass routes. So he's been out there on passing plays. I think that that means more targets are coming. Um, you know, Jacksonville's been pretty good against the run. Football Outsiders has them ninth in run defense, but again, you know, a, a pretty good spot for mixing with the Bengals' home favorites. Yeah, the concerns, of course, are the bad O-line, which has it's led to low yards per carry so far. And 
I mean, a season and a half now of the Bengals not giving Joe Mixon the targets to go with elevated rushing volume. So, I, I mean, I, we'll see. The, the routes point to more targets coming, but, I mean, I guess we we got to see them come at some point. If I had to bet money between these two guys, I would lean Mixon as well, but I would not make that bet unless somebody was forcing me to. I will say on Robinson, let's not jump to conclusions too quickly on the guy. I will grant him that he is already – he has already proved to be better than anybody thought he was going to be as an undrafted rookie who went to Jacksonville and landed on this depth chart where nobody, none of us took him seriously. Now, that said, Chris Thompson has run 26 more pass routes than he has this season, 65 to 39. He's topped him in that category every week. So I don't think that the six catch 83 yard receiving night against Miami was like this breakout receiving performance. We'll see. Maybe it was. But for now, I think we have to treat it as more like a fluke. Um, he also had a strong rushing day in week two against a weak Titans run D, but otherwise a fluky stat line against Miami. I mentioned the receptions. He scored twice on the ground, but didn't run for very much against a weak Miami defense. And his playing time has dipped each of the past two weeks following that week one win. So James Robinson's been impressive. I wish that I had picked him up in more places, but <laughs> let's stop a little short of anointing him. Yeah, his... Um, pass catching production has definitely exceeded the usage. I think, you know, that that's in for some regression. Uh, I, I, I do think he's here to stay as Jacksonville's lead ball carrier. He's, he's been good. Um, PFF has him eighth in their rushing grades and ninth in elusive rating among 40 qualifying running backs. So, and, and to me, he's sort of passed the eye test. He looks like an NFL running back. So and we'll see, um, Divino Zigbo is eligible to return this week. Right. Cal Armstead is still on the COVID list. I don't know when he's coming off, but you know, there's going to be some more competition for Robinson, but you know, if he continues to play this well, I think he's going to stick as the lead ball carrier. Yeah, I, I agree with that. DJ Chark. I'm starting him. If he's active, most likely and really not interested in anything else beyond that. Me neither. Um, LaVisca Chenault's kind of like uh, Jacksonville's version of Curtis Samuel, where like, he's getting interesting usage between the targets and the carries. The production hasn't been huge yet. So he, he's a guy to stash. I think when bye weeks start to hit, He'll be useful, but um, you know, not not someone who you know sits inside starter territory in our week four rankings. Vikings at Texans, Texans by four and a half, and over under fifty four and a half. And Vikings games have scored seventy seven total points, then thirty nine, then sixty one. Every Texans game has been at forty nine plus high of fifty four back in week one. So it looks like there should be a fair number of points in this one. On the Minnesota side, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen are easy. Uh, but I think I'm ready to play Justin Jefferson as well on the fringe of wide receiver three territory. You know, it's tough to say go for it after one big game, but he was at six catches for 104 yards on seven targets by halftime last week. So it wasn't a matter of garbage time. And this was a back and forth shootout the whole game. There's nothing scary in the Houston secondary. So I think Justin Jefferson belongs in starter consideration this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, like longer term over the course of the season, I still have some volume volume concerns. If you know, we think Adam Thielen's still going to be the clear number one here, and I do. Um, but in this game, in what we think is going to be a shootout, you know, the Vikings are underdogs; they might be playing from behind. I think you know the volume is going to be there for Jefferson, and the playing time was there last week. He played seventy eight percent of the snaps, ran a route on ninety one percent of the dropback. So he, he's he's a full time player now. You know, first round pick, talented guy. So yeah, I think I think he's an option as a wide receiver three this week. Uh, I just want to note on the Vikings, um, you know, they were the Titans opponent last week. So they were away from their facility on both Tuesday and Wednesday. They're back today, but, you know, they at least lost one day of practice. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if that ends up meaning anything in this game on Sunday. Yeah, it means Dalvin Cook's feeling healthier. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Gets a little extra rest. Yeah. Kirk Cousins capable of top 12 production this week, but he's still in an offense that would rather have him throw the ball less. He only threw 27 passes last week versus 33 runs for Minnesota. So he doesn't get into the point of being a strong streaming consideration for me. Yeah, but you just he's just not playing well enough. Like he had the three touchdowns last week. He still completed just 59% of his passes. Um, PFF had him 17th in their passing grades on the week. So, yeah, I mean, there's upside here. We think it's going to be a shootout. He's going to have to throw more than um, usual. But um, I think, to me, only an option in two quarterback leagues. Yeah, it was a nice week for Justin Jefferson last week. But this still isn't uh, Kirk Cousins with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs as his two receivers, which made him more interesting last year than he is right now. Exactly. On the Houston side, Will Fuller's pretty easy, rebounded for a four for 54 and a touchdown receiving line on just five targets at Pittsburgh last week. Brandon Cooks, basically nothing there, but he was terrific the week before against Baltimore in week two. So I think there's room for both of those guys against this Viking secondary, which has not been good and is still dealing with injuries to two of the season opening top three at cornerback. Yeah, I think this is like a breakout spot for the Texans offense. Um, They've played Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Last two weeks, now they go home and get Minnesota, who's bottom three in both points allowed and yards allowed. So Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, must starts. I think Brandon Cooks is a guy I'd be trying to get into my lineup. He was limited in week one, you know, on a new team, was kind of banged up all summer. But the last two weeks, he's played 89% of the snaps, ran a route on 90% of Watson's dropbacks, and seen a 20.6% target share. Now, if that type of usage continues, I think he could be a weekly wide receiver three. And, and again, in this matchup, I think he's, you know, wide receiver three with a whole bunch of upside. Yeah. It's worth remembering that they started the year with some tough matchups. Yep. Subpar spot for Jordan Akins. He's not an avoid, but it's not a ceiling matchup for him against the Vikings with, you know, still good linebackers, good safeties, even if their cornerbacks stink. Uh, Aikens playing time is still strong, but he's also at a 12 and a half percent target share. And I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of stays there considering Houston has three Strong wide receivers. Randall Cobb, by the way, has has been better the past two weeks after a quiet opener. So I, I think Akins is, you know, duking it out with David Johnson as the fourth option in this passing game. So um, and he's another guy. I think he's only going to be in play like when bye weeks start to hit. And speaking of duking it out, Duke Johnson's still banged up. We don't know if he's going to play. Correct. Um, and, you know, David Johnson has seen basically 100% of the snaps and running back touches. Did Duke Johnson out? If, jo- if Duke Johnson returns it, you know, bites into – David Johnson's work a bit, but you know, based on what we saw in week one when Duke Johnson was out there, I think David Johnson's still going to be the, the clear lead back here. Yeah, I was going to say we don't even know yet because we didn't even get I, we didn't even get half of a game from Duke Johnson in week one, did we? Yeah, it was right. He got either got hurt like the end of the first half or beginning of the second, but I mean, it looked like David Johnson was going to you know handle the majority of the stuff before Duke went down. Yeah, we certainly can't say worry about David Johnson because Duke's coming back. On to the Seahawks at the Dolphins. Seattle's a six and a half point favorite. It's an over under 52 and a half. I think you play all your Seahawks this week. That includes Carlos Hyde. That does not include Greg Olson unless you need him. I would play him over like Jordan Aikens um, if we're looking that far down or Drew Sample. But Greg Olson's only seen 11 targets through three games, a 10.7% target share. There's upside, of course, because he's in the Seattle offense and Russell Wilson could hit any of us for a touchdown at any moment. Right, yeah, you're you're playing Olsen hoping for a touchdown. Miami's actually been pretty good against tight ends so far. The Football Outsiders has them 12th in tight end coverage. They're fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Chris Carson was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. So I don't think he's going to play this weekend, but you know, I, I think it at least confirms that his injury isn't serious. Assuming Carson's out, um, you know, I think we all expect Carlos Hyde to be 
the lead ball carry. And that'd be my guess too, but I wouldn't be surprised if Travis Homer plays a bit more than people are expecting. I think Seattle likes this guy. I think, you know, he, he might be better in the passing game than Carlos Hyde. So I think you're going to be looking at something like a two to one split in favor of Hyde. I don't think Hyde's going to step right into Chris Carson's role and, and, you know, dominate the work. I don't know. I think dominating the work is a possibility for him. I don't know if I would bet money on it, but I, that would, I think it's a strong possibility. Yeah. And, and listen, even if he gets two thirds of the work, that that's enough in this spot with the high implied total. Miami has been bad against the run football outsider says them 31st there. So even if you get 14 carries and a couple targets out of, out of Carlos Hyde, I think that's enough. On the Miami side, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the low floor, high ceiling quarterback that you want this week, playing him over Kirk Cousins, over Carson Wentz, over Phillip Rivers, probably over Gardner Minshew. Um, it's a great matchup it, for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. The wide receivers are healthy. The Seattle Seahawks pass defense has been weak so far. We've mentioned it's without its main slot corner. They're probably going to be missing Jamal Adams this week. They're probably going to be missing cornerback Quentin Dunbar. So uh, an already positive matchup only gets better. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but I, I almost I think Fitzpatrick's floor is like pretty high. Just it's like even if he plays crappy, they're going to be behind, and he's going to throw it forty-five times, and he'll probably end up with decent numbers in this matchup. So yeah, I, again, Fitzpatrick and Joe Burrow right there for me as the top two streamers this week. I think your boy Mike Gesicki is a nice start this week too. Um, we've talked about Seattle struggling against slot receivers. Gesicki's basically a slot receiver for Miami. Seventy-two percent of his snaps have come from the slot, so I think Gesicki is a strong tight end one this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Check out his goofball stat line so far. Three for 30 on five targets against New England. Eight for 130 and a touchdown on 11 versus Buffalo. One for 15 yards and a touchdown against Jacksonville last week. In that game, I will say on his part that uh, Gusecki also drew two uh, pass interference calls in the end zone. So he's heavily involved, and I agree that he's more of a slot receiver, and that makes this a better matchup even than if he were an actual tight end. Not that the tight end would be a bad matchup this week with Jamal Adams likely out. So, yeah, it's a good spot for everybody. I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick always walked <laughs> on a tenuous floor because he's capable of the kind of game that has them pull him completely for Tua. Yeah, no, I was thinking that, but I'm not sure Miami's even willing to play to a, at this point. Um, so I think Fitz might be safe, but you're right. I mean, I shouldn't say Fitz has a high floor because I've probably said that before and he's busted. Miles Gaskin, the other guy who is in play for Miami. And, you know, he was like the lukewarm lead back the first two weeks. In, in week three, he was like, he like dominated backfield where he played 75% of the snaps. That was up from the mid sixties, the first two weeks. Uh, Gaskin handled 22 of 28 running back carries in week three saw all five running back targets. He's still losing most of the goal line work to Jordan Howard. Although Gaskin did get three carries from inside the five last week, um, didn't convert any of them into touchdowns, but I think he's going to continue to lose the goal line stuff to Howard for the most part. But, um, you know, any running back getting that type of usage, I think is, is in play at some extent. Yeah. Bottom of, wide, of running back two territory, but certainly not somebody that I'm going out of my way to play. Um, and a quick question, CD lamb or miles Gaskin this week, if it's PPR, I think I would go ahead and play CD Lamb. If it's not, I guess I would lean running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going Lamb just for the upside. Like Gaskin, I think is the higher floor because again, we can you know kind of bank on him getting 15 plus touches. But I think Lamb ceiling's just so much higher. Giants at the Rams. Rams are 13 point favorites, 40 and a half over under on the Giants side. Evan Ingram's at the bottom of tight end one territory for me. I want absolutely nothing else on the Giants side of this. Yeah, the other guy I'd consider is Golden Tate, 17% target share through two games for him. I, I think that's going to climb with Saquon Barkley out, with uh, Sterling Shepard still out 
And then Tate runs, you know, 80% of his routes from the slot. So he, he's going to avoid Jalen Ramsey. So I, I think, you know, with Darius Slayton locked up with the Ramsey, you're going to see Golden Tate and Evan Ingram be the top two targets for the Giants on Sunday. Yeah, I just don't think it matters if you're the second target for Daniel Jones right now. You might not. On the Rams side, I'm playing pretty much whatever I got. Daryl Henderson tops among running backs. We'll see whether Cam Akers can play. No practice Wednesday, but they really have no need to rush him back right now with Daryl Henderson playing well and Malcolm Brown also there. Yeah, John McVay basically said Daryl Henderson's like his lead back now. I think someone asked them if uh, Henderson's going to start this weekend, and McVay said, I think so. So, you know, that's that's about as, as much as we're going to get from a head coach there, I think. Um, so, yeah, I would feel good about starting Henderson with the Rams. Massive home favorites here. Tyler Higby, I wanted to talk about quick because his usage has not been good. He's only run a route now on 53% of Jared Goff's dropbacks. And you combine that with the fact that the Rams are one of the run heaviest offenses in the NFL. And Higby's just 30th among tight ends in total pass routes. So we obviously had that big three touchdown game in week two. I think that upside is always there. I think it's there this week with the Rams, you know, having that big implied total. But the, the floor on Higby, I think, is lower than a lot of other guys who are in tight end one range in our rankings. Yeah, I think the matchup improves further this week with Jabril Peppers out with an ankle injury. And it's worth noting that the Buffalo matchup last week, I still think is negative for yeah. tight ends, despite what people might have thought after seeing Mike Jasucki put up the numbers in week two. Again, he's a slot receiver. So yeah, the usage is going to be worth watching, but the floor is probably lower than you want it to be on Tyler Higby. And I think he remains a sell option um, if you find somebody looking for him, especially considering how many options are available at tight end. I I'm probably going to bet that Jordan Goff finishes higher than our number 12 ranking for him this week. I don't hate him being at number 12 in our site rankings because it's a pretty loaded week at quarterback, but he's in a really nice upside spot. Yeah, I mean, we, we know we like starting Goff at home. We know we like starting him against bad defenses. He checks both those boxes. The Rams have the high implied total. So I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes higher either. But, yeah, like you said, quarterback's so low this week. Like, we have Goff ranked ahead of, like, Burrow and Fitzpatrick. I wouldn't be surprised if those guys outscore Jared Goff. So, I mean, if Goff is your guy, you, you know, you're definitely sticking with him and using him this mm -hmm. week. Yeah, I agree. And the Rams are one of the few attractive defenses on the slate this week. And not only do they get the Giants this week, but they get Washington next week. Then the 49ers, we'll see what kind of matchup that looks like when that comes. Then the Bears, then the Dolphins, and then they're by. So you want the Rams defense on your roster right now. Nice. Bills at Raiders. Buffalo's a three-point favorite. 52 and a half over under. It's up three points from where it opened. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, nowhere close to sitting at this point. Devin Singletary, had a nice game, 13 carries, 71 yards, four catches for 50 with Zach Moss out last week, but stoned twice at the goal line, so uh, he might have missed his opportunity. Is it, you know, as if not having any Josh Allen is enough, I have to, you know, watch him steal on my Devin Singletary touchdowns when I used Singletary in DFS last week, but yeah, I mean, you know, Singletary, his usage was all you could have hoped for if you used him. Um, it, it does look like Zach Moss has a good chance to return this week. He was back to a limited practice on Wednesday. So if Moss is back, if we're going to see something, you know, closer to, I think like the 60, 40 split in favor of Singletary, we were getting before Moss went down. The matchup is so good though. Um, Vegas dead last in football outsiders run defense rankings, allowing 6.0 yards per carry to running back. So even if Moss is back, I think Singletary is a starter. Moss would worry me a bit just because you know, like the toe injuries can be tricky. Um, you know, maybe if he gets in a full practice on Thursday and Friday, I'd, I'd feel better. Um, but I think there's definitely risk there coming off the injury. Yeah, I'm not using him this week if I can help it, especially in an offense that's, you know, rolling and might not need him to overplay it this week. Yeah. John Brown did not practice Wednesday because of a calf injury. I'm not sure about Thursday status yet. 
but I would try not to use him if I could help. And I think if John Brown sits, it makes Cole Beasley a consideration. Yeah. So it sounds like Brown was back at practice today. I mean, we'll see the official injury report and whether he was full. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, the, the, the matchup's good. The bills up passing game is rolling. So there's definitely upside to Brown, but you know, he's a guy who struggled with injuries. It's a soft tissue injury. It's a, it's a calf. So there's, there's a risk of, you know, him leaving that this game or being limited. So maybe you try not to use him. Cole Beasley is a guy who's benefited from Buffalo being so pass heavy. Like we thought, there wasn't going to be enough volume for him as the number three wide receiver, but he's seen 20 targets through three games. That's 25th among wide receivers. So especially if Brown is out or banged up, I think Beasley becomes more interesting. Um, Gabriel Davis is interesting too. I think probably only for DFS, uh, but he, he's looked good. He's the rookie out of UCF. He's looked good through three games and, and he looks like the, you know, clear John Brown replacement. You know, he is that downfield guy to kind of do what John Brown does. So if Brown's out, um, Davis, someone to maybe consider for like DFS tournaments. On the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller pretty much always, but it's not a great spot for Waller. As I mentioned, don't let the week two from Mike Jasicki fool you. The the Bills have been a negative matchup for tight ends for several years. Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer, both healthy. They're on tight end duty, especially Jordan Poyer. So, you know, you're probably starting Darren Waller, but don't be surprised if he doesn't have a great week. Yeah, I mean, we just saw New England basically eliminate Waller, so it is it is possible. And I'm sure Buffalo will be even more focused on him with Henry Ruggs and Brian Evers expected to miss this game. But um, just just the volume projection on Waller, you know, keeps him safely inside the top 10 of our tight end rankings. Hunter Renfro is the upside guy here. A very nice spot against Buffalo. Here's how slot receivers have fared against the Bills so far. They had Mike Jacecki's game in week two. Jamison Crowder, seven for 115 and a touchdown in week one. Cooper Cup, nine for 107 and a touchdown last week. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs out, as you mentioned. So, Hunter Renfro is certainly not a guarantee, but there's definite upside to him. Yeah, definitely a wide receiver three consideration. Um, I think especially in PPR, I think I haven't even checked DFS prices yet, but he might be in play in DFS as a cheap wide receiver. Um, you know, my only concern is that he still really doesn't play in two wide receiver sets. Like even last week, just 54, 54% of the snaps for Hunter Renfro. So if the Raiders are playing with the lead here, I think it would hurt Renfro's playing time. Uh, Vegas is underdogs. I do think the Bills will win this game and be playing from ahead. So in that case, Renfro is going to be a nice fantasy play. I'm going to have to get used to you saying Vegas referring to a team and not to the betting lines. I almost said Oakland there, but I caught myself. Patriots at Chiefs. The Chiefs are, of course, seven-point favorites. Over-under is 52.5, down a little bit from where it opened. Patriots have actually leaned heavily toward the run over three meetings with the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. And that's including last year when they actually leaned a little bit toward the pass in their home loss to Kansas City. 53-47 pass run split over that span. It's still tough to bet on any player, individual player from this crowded Patriots backfield, though, because we just don't know where the touches are going to go. If I have to pick one, it's probably Rex Burkhead just because he played about as much as James White in week one. He is... Um, involved in both the in both running and passing, he has graded best in pass blocking among the group so far. Led them leads them slightly in pass blocking snaps. Also graded best among their running backs in pass blocking last year. And he's coming off a big game, so maybe just curry some favor with coaches there. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to choose, it would be Rex Burkhead out of this backfield. But like you said, James White. It sounds like he's going to be back this week. Damian Harris. Um, is eligible to return. It sounds like he's at least going to be available. You know, we'll see whether he's active. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to have all these running backs on the active rosters, so someone's going to be left out. But it, it's just a total gas. I have no idea how work's going to be split up. So I, I would try to avoid Patriots running backs if you can. 
Yeah, it'd be nice not to have to start any of them. Julian Edelman's a solid PPR starter, I think, in likely negative game script for the Patriots based on that Chiefs offense we saw once again at Baltimore last week. I think Nikhil Harry is an option, though he's outside the top 40 for me. I'm just not ready to trust him. I mean, the volume's been there for him. He has a 24% target share. Um, he's tied for 18th among all wide receivers with 22 total targets. His, you know, the way they're using him, he has a 6.4 yard average depth of target. He's averaging just 9.7 yards per catch. So everything's near the line of scrimmage. So that that kind of, you know, hurts his ceiling. Uh, Jared, we have a Chiefs Patriots trade question from YouTube. Patrick Mahomes, DJ Chark on one side, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Newton on the other side. Which of those two do you prefer? So Mahomes for Newton and then Shark for Taylor. Yeah. Assuming you need the running back help, I would almost lean that way. I just think, you know, Taylor is an RB1 going forward, and that's just super valuable. Yeah, I mean, I think if you don't need running back help, then it's not a trade that you should be pursuing. You should just enjoy Mahomes going forward. But I agree, if you need running back help, I think Cam Newton gives you enough upside to take the Taylor and Newton side and give up Patrick Mahomes. It's a tough time to trade him coming off that Baltimore game, but most of his games are not going to be like that. Right, exactly. All right, back to the Patriots and Chiefs, and on the Chiefs' side, no thanks on Sammy Watkins. I mean, we're not going to mention the guys that you start every week, but no thanks on Sammy Watkins because of the matchup with Patriots uh, cornerbacks, even though they've not been quite as tough so far this year as last year. Otherwise, I'm playing all the guys I'm considering, and that does not include Nicole Hardman, despite his good game against Baltimore. Yeah, um, still just a 45% route rate for Hardman last week. That was up from week one when he was at 34%. He set a season high in week two at 66%. That was because Watkins left that game early. So, I mean, Hardman's still fourth behind Demarcus Robinson. If he can pass Robinson, you know, get into the 60s, he'll become a fantasy option. But until that happens, you know, you're you're just risking like a one or two catch dud from him every week. Eagles at 49ers on Sunday night in a game that looked a lot more interesting before the season started than it does right now. Niners are seven and a half point favorites. That's up one and a half from the open. And that's even without us knowing whether Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back. So that's, I guess, assuming that Nick Mullins is a quarterback. I don't know exactly how they they factored that. But on the Philly side, I think Miles Sanders is a must. Zach Ertz is a must. No thanks on Deshaun Jackson, even if he's allowed to play by his hamstring. And then there's Greg Ward as a PPR safety net. Yeah, Ward, um, eight catches on 11 targets last week scored a touchdown and you know even last year we saw him you know get get decent decent volume late in the year when the Eagles were dealing with all those injuries Um, he averaged 6.7 targets per game over the last six games of the season 4.7 catches 42 yards like he's he's a low yards per catch guy you know he's he's not he doesn't give you a high ceiling but if you're desperate in PPR I think he's a guy who you can count on for you know like six plus targets on Sunday night yeah, and his TD was at least uh, a medium-range touchdown. It wasn't like a five-yarder. So yeah. uh, I agree. An, an unattractive ceiling, but a nice volume floor for PPR. Curious to see whether Alshon Jeffrey returns. He's certainly not in lineup consideration, even if he plays. But I, I'm interested to watch. I think all the injuries around him at wide receiver make Alshon Jeffrey a lot more interesting right now and more stashable than I expected him to be heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think there's not much left in uh, Jeffrey's tank, but like the Eagles are desperate at this point when he's healthy, he's going to, you know, play a big part of that in that passing game. Carson Wentz is absolutely not close to fantasy contention this week. I would rather play Nick Mullins at this point. Uh, Yep. So would I. All right. 49ers side. We'll see about Raheem Mostert did not practice Wednesday. I think if he's out again, both Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson are in play. Philly remains decent against the run, but not stellar. Um, And I think if Mostert is back, then McKinnon over Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I went back and watched that Niners game and um, am more excited about McKinnon after watching. I mean, first of all, he looked good. 
And second of all, he, he dominated backfield work more than it looks like based on the final numbers. Um, Jeff Wilson got eight touches on the final drive of the game for the Niners. And that, you know, that game was a blowout. They were up by like 20 points at that point. McKinnon got just one touch in the fourth quarter. So they, you know, they basically pulled McKinnon. Um, so, you know, 14 carries, four targets for McKinnon last week. I think, you know, that that's, Closer to his floor than his ceiling. I mean, we'll see how much work they want to give him. But if, if that game was closer last week, he was going to get even more work than that. And he should stay more involved now going forward, even after Raheem Mostert gets back. Probably not to that level, yeah. but more involved than he was over the first two weeks, I would assume. Yes, he definitely should. Anything else that you want to hit in that game? Um, Brandon Ayuk, I think, is in wide receiver three consideration. Uh, caught five of eight targets for 70 yards last week. Also had three carries for 31 yards in a score. Um, played 71% of the snaps. Ran her out on 90% of the dropbacks. So, you know, basically a full-time player now. First-round pick of the Niners was, was you know, by all accounts, dominating training camp before his hamstring injury. It seems like he's back to 100% now, especially until Debo Samuel is back. And it sounds like Samuel might be back for week five, but at least for week four here, it looks like Ayuk is going to be the lead wide receiver for the Niners. It's really it's a really muddled set of options from like wide receiver 30 down to wide receiver 45, where I don't feel comfy ranking them in any order. I certainly agree that Brandon Ayuk is well in consideration. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good game in this matchup, even with George Kittle looking like he's ready to play again. Right, I was going to say, we should definitely mention that Kittle's back, so you're obviously starting him. And his return probably will cut into Ayuk's volume a bit, but you know, even if we can get six or seven targets out of Ayuk and hopefully continue to do some some rushing, you know, that, that's enough to make him a wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. Falcons at Packers on Monday night. Packers are seven-and-a-half-point home favorites. The over-under is the largest of the week at 56-and-a-half points. Got to watch the injury situations in this game. We've got Devontae Adams. We've got Julio Jones. We've got Russell Gage. And because it's Monday night, we didn't get any Wednesday injury reports. So we'll see what the Thursday ones say. I think that you're really playing pretty much everyone here that's in consideration for Atlanta. Todd Gurley's slipping down my list of playables with each passing week. I mean, it's a little bit rough at running back to say that you sit him, but I'd I'd have to be in pretty good shape to pass on Todd Gurley. But I mean, he's not contributing in the passing game. He's playing right. to the point where maybe Brian Hill even passes him at some point, and the team is not good enough to keep his rushing volume up. So if we're talking about 15 carries and two or one target a game for Todd Gurley, he's losing attractiveness each each game. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Coming off, it was a decent fantasy outing last week. I might be looking to sell Todd Gurley right now. Like, like you said, he had five targets in week one, but he has just two total targets the past two weeks. Um, for the season, Gurley's run a pass route on just 35% of Matt Ryan's dropback. So, you know, he's basically a two down back now. Um, you know, he has handled 70% of Atlanta's running back carries, but even that mark dropped to 61% last week. We saw Brian Hill start to steal some more. And, you know, Gurley's just not playing well. PFF has him uh, 37th among 40 running backs in both rushing grade and elusive rating. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Hill starts to steal more and more rushing work. I like the spot for Hayden Hurst as well. It's kind of a sneaky spot. The Packers haven't given up a lot so far, but they also haven't been tested by their opponents. They have allowed 11 receptions among 12 targets. I mean, it's going to depend on how many targets go Hurst's way. It's going to depend a bit on the health of the Falcons wide receivers, but there's upside to him if he gets opportunity here. Yeah, I think to your point, Football Outsiders has Green Bay 27th against tight ends you know, and tight end coverage, so it does look like, look like – a plus matchup. The the disappointing thing is, you know, Hurst saw just three targets last week with Julio Jones out, with Russell Gage exiting early. 
Um, Hurst also set a season low with a 67% route rate. Um, I, I would expect that to bounce back, and you know he you know he could see six to eight targets pretty easily. But um, yeah, I, I think to me more more of a low end tight end one, just because we don't totally know like what his role is in this passing game yet. Yeah, I agree with that. On the Green Bay side, I don't think there's anything too sneaky. I think Alan Lazard's a pretty solid starting bet at this point, and I would still rather avoid the Green Bay tight ends. Yeah, so I, I made a note on Robert Tanyan here, and it's it's definitely more for like DFS and probably even just like the one game DFS slate, you know, the Monday night showdown. But Atlanta is dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They gave up a touchdown to Greg Olson in week one, uh, Dalton Schultz. Had 88 yards and a score against him in week two. Jimmy Graham had the two touchdowns against them this past Sunday. Um, and Robert Tonning continues to be well ahead of Jay Sternberger. He's run a pass route on 60% of Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks. The targets have gone from zero in week one, three in week two, five this past week. He scored in two straight games. So it kind of seems to be trending upward again. You shouldn't need to use him in season long, but I think um, at least in DFS, he's an intriguing play in this game. Uh, anybody else from that game? Nope. I mean, we just got to see about Devontae Adams. You know, if he returns, mm-hmm. it definitely hurts. Alan Lazard, but um, you know, in this matchup with the high total, I think Lazard will, would still be a wide receiver three option. Yeah, I mean, of course, we had production from both Lazard and MVS back in week one with Devontae Adams on the field and, and dominating targets in that game. Yep. That's going to do it for this week four preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now, see our full week four rankings, and make sure to check them through the weekend for any updates, especially on these injury situations that we mentioned. We'll be back here midday tomorrow for our weekly DFS shows. Come on back and join us there. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smol and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 